go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, January the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Mondays, we examine the readings for the coming Sunday, which is the second Sunday after the Epiphany, January the 17th. And the readings are from 1 Samuel 3, 1 Corinthians 6, and John 1. Epiphany. What does that mean? The word epiphany comes from a Greek word, which means appearance or manifestation. Now, for example, when the shepherds saw Jesus uh, in, in the stable, they knew what the angels had said about him, but it wasn't very obvious that he was the Son of God. Mortal man could not look at the baby and jump to the conclusion that this is the Savior, the Christ. The season of Epiphany, what it does is help us to understand the true mission of Jesus Christ. It manifests this. That means it reveals to us the purpose of his coming. Epiphany is January the 6th, which celebrates the coming of the wise men to Jesus. And of course, there we hear about Jesus and his mission. Then we've got the baptism of our Lord. And that was what we preached on yesterday at uh, four congregations that we did during the week about how the baptism of our Lord meant that Jesus took upon himself our sin, having the baptism of repentance. And we also talked about how this was in preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. How so? Well, people to receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins need to be prepared by recognizing that they are sinners. And not just that they do bad things, but that they actually do insults to God himself. So the second Sunday of Epiphany, we find in the gospel, Jesus going to Philip, telling him to follow him. And then he goes to Nathaniel and can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to Nathaniel. And then there's the conversation Jesus had with Nathaniel. The Old Testament reading is from 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 10. And I, I want to give a little background so that we can understand this a little better. The book of Samuel uh, begins with reminding us that there was a, a man, Elkanah, and he had a wife named Hannah that had no children. So she had gone up to the temple and she was praying. She said to God, O Lord of hosts, 
if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give unto the Lord all the days of his life and his razor shall touch, no razor shall touch his head. Now, Eli, uh, the priest, saw that her lips were moving, but didn't hear her voice, and considered her to be a drunken woman. But then she explained what she was doing. She was praying out of her great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered here, Go in peace, and the God of Israel fulfill your desire. And Hannah left being more joyous. And guess what? She became pregnant and had a son and called his name Samuel. Now the word Samuel sounds a lot like the Hebrew heard of God. And that's why she called him Samuel. Well, then, when she and her husband went up to Jerusalem after Samuel had been weaned, the child was very young, and she went with the child to Eli, Oh, my Lord, as you live, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord for this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord. Now, that means it's a playoff on the verbs for asking that are repeatedly used. Samuel belonged to the Lord forever. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now that's referring to Samuel, that he had bowed down. And it probably means that Samuel worshiped the Lord at Shiloh from that time, though an act of consecration may be meant. It's a little ambiguous exactly what is meant that he worshiped the Lord there. But chapter two of Samuel is a wonderful prayer of Hannah. It kind of reminds us of the statements of Mary uh, when she went to visit Elizabeth. And she was saying, there's no rock like our God. And, and that's very important to understand because when you're on a rock, you are really saved. Now, what happened, though, Eli, the priest, had two sons, and it says they did not know the Lord because there was a custom that people would come and they would sacrifice an animal, and the priests were allowed to take what they were able to raise after the animal had been boiled, and they would raise it with a three-pronged fork. Well, what they did is they said, no, we don't want it boiled. We want it from you only raw. 
And they said, if you will not give it to us now, we will take it by force. The sin of these young men was very great, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. And they also dealt with the women who were kind of watching over the holy place. And it was really terrible that Eli had to rebuke his sons. And the Lord rebukes and rejects Eli's household. And, and so there's the setting up where the Lord indicates that there's going to be someone else who will go in and go out before my anointed forever, forever. And everyone that is left in your house, Eli, shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and shall say, please put me in one of the priest's place then I may eat a morsel of bread. So that's the background for Samuel being now with Eli and he was taking care of items in the temple. We, we begin with the Sunday school uh, teaching that the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So what does that mean? It means there was no frequent vision of the Lord. Of course, the Lord had frequent visions prior to that time. Uh, remember Moses on Mount Sinai? at the burning bush, the Lord spoke to him. So there's no doubt the Lord had spoken to many people, but at this time, that was rare. So at that time, Eli, his eyesight had begun to grow dim. So he was really having trouble being able to see. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the holy place of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 4, Samuel chapter 3. The Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go, go lie down again. So he went and lay down. In other words, the Lord called to Samuel. <coughs> Excuse me. But Samuel did not recognize that it was God calling to him. Because it had been rare for the Lord to speak to the people as he had done previous times. So then the Lord called again to Samuel in verse six. Again, Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you call me. But he said, I did not call my son lie down again. Verse seven says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
Now, what we're talking about here, we're not saying that Samuel was an unbeliever. No. It even said earlier when he was brought by his mother to Eli that he worshiped the Lord. But he had not yet heard voices from the Lord or a vision, and therefore in that sense did not know the Lord. It's the same language used about the two sons of Eli who were corrupting the sacrifices brought by the people of Israel. But they did not know the Lord in the sense that they rejected the commandments of the Lord and made a contempt of the sacrifices. Well, verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. It was then that Eli, the Bible says, perceived that the Lord was calling Samuel. He says, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Now, that's a wonderful verse to memorize because God now comes to us in the same way that he came to Samuel. How? He comes to us in divine worship. When the Lord comes to us, we hear his voice, not only in the sermon, but also in the readings assigned for that particular day. Also, in the liturgy, and also in the hymnody. In fact, a number of times we've done a hymn with Mark Smith, and I've suggested to people that when they're trying to explain the Christian faith to others, there are a number of hymns that do a wonderful summary of what we believe as Christians. And so use the hymns because they summarize accurately that we are saved by grace, through faith, not on account of our works, lest any man should boast. Now, the Lord says to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. 
And then God gives a reason why that punishment is coming. For the iniquity that he knew. See, Eli knew about the iniquity of his sons because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by the sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel heard that word from the Lord the first time in a long time where the Lord actually speaks words in a vision or to his people. And he lay until morning when he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. That was part of his job. But he was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then Eli said, it is the Lord. And the word Lord is got capital letters, which means he's using the name of God, Yahweh that Moses was given at the burning bush. It is the Lord for him to do what seems good to him. And then the verse goes on, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh, and he did that again. Now, it's pretty easy to interpret this passage. Knowing the background, God was very angry at the household of Eli because they were blaspheming his sons, and yet Eli was doing nothing about it. So God was going to change who the prophet was from Eli to Samuel. And we recall, and that, that's what's so good about the book of Samuel, what happened under his prophecy, because that's where David comes from. Samuel goes to find a king, as God has promised, and he ends up getting David to be the king. And so that whole book of Samuel ends up with David even fleeing from Saul because Saul is not happy with David because people look to the works of David as greater than the works of Saul. 
In other words, David in 2 Samuel 1 to 4 becomes king of Judah. And therefore, there's a civil war between the houses of Saul and David. David becomes king, therefore, of all of Israel. And the Lord makes a covenant with David. The Lord promises to build and maintain David's house. Now, of what is he speaking? The house of David is, of course, captured by none other than Jesus Christ. He is the new David. He is the new Moses. In fact, he is the new Adam. He fulfills perfectly what others were unable to fulfill because of their sinfulness. And Jesus, therefore, becomes the Savior of the world. Samuel is really important to understand that God is going to keep his promises. He already has to Abraham, where he promised that the people would return to the land of Canaan. Now, that occurred after hundreds of years of Egyptian slavery, Moses taking them through the wilderness for 40 years. Then Jericho was destroyed by the walls coming down. And, and David wanted to build a house for God. At first, the prophet agreed with him, but then God told the prophet, no, David's task is to clean up the people in Canaan, to bring peace to the land. And Solomon will be the one to build the house. And so we have that tremendous historical experience of God choosing Samuel to be the new prophet. And Samuel is very important. It takes two full books, first and second Samuel, as the Lord indicates to Samuel who will be the new king, and that's David. And David defeats many individuals in Canaan and brings peace to the land. By the way, this is also where Nathan confronts David who repents over his sin with Bathsheba. That, that's found in 2 Samuel 12 and following. And then there are terrible things that happen with his son Absalom. And finally, Saul's family tries to kill David, but they are unsuccessful. And in 2 Samuel 19 to 24, David is restored to the throne. He completes his reign. And there are more skirmishes against the Philistines 
but David's last words are a wonderful praise of God. And 2 Samuel 24 ends with, therefore, the next passage in the Bible being about the kings of Israel and the split after Solomon's death between his two sons, Judah and Israel. And guess what? All this has one purpose, and that's leading to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ as Savior. So though you may read the beginning of Samuel and the birth of Samuel as history, the application is that we too need to be like Samuel. When the Lord speaks, particularly in worship or when we read his word in the Bible, we listen to the word of the Lord. So on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be with Mark Smith looking at the hymn assigned for this day, The Only Son from Heaven. I'm Tom Baker. Join with us tomorrow to discuss the hymn. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.